Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I'm Jesse Granger in Vegas, filling in for Rob Pizzo, who has one more week of Olympic duty for the CBC until he returns. I am eagerly awaiting Rob's return. We miss Rob, um, but he's doing a great job for the CBC in the Olympics. I'm here with Sarah Sivian in Raleigh, and we had so much fun with him last week, we brought him back for another show. Our special guest host, Sean Shapiro, sports business reporter for The Athletic. How's it going, Sarah? Um, no, Canada in the finals for Rob. That's a bummer, but I'm doing great. I mean, there is Canada in the women's finals, so I, I, he'll cover the hell out of that. How are you, Sean? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I guess I am the replacement level exact. Like we always talk about like <laughs> replacement level things. I think I'm the exact replacement level Sean within the athletic because now there's if I don't, I mean, I guess our producer Jeff would know the better, or I believe the other Sean's already are on here full time. And so I'm the replacement level Sean. So I'm going to go off with that from now on. So many Sean's. <laughs> awesome. Today we're going to discuss uh, Sidney Crosby, 500th goal. Not bad for a kid we thought was going to have his career shut by concussions. Uh, Jack Eichel is making his big debut in Vegas. I'll be at T-Mobile Arena tonight. They take on the Avalanche. That's going to be excited. We're going to talk about the Avalanche who have been unbelievable lately. Um, and then we're going to talk some Olympics. Obviously, Sarah alluding to some disappointment for Canada and US in the men's, but we've got an exciting game for the women tonight. And Sweden shutting out Canada this morning uh, was a little <laughs> strange. I don't think we were expecting that. But uh, we're also going to get into some trade deadline stuff, which I know everybody's excited about this time of year. Those rumors are starting to fly. It's been really fun. But we're going to start with Sidney Crosby. Um, does he ever cease to amaze you, Sarah? No, never. Um, and there's always these cult stories about him, too, that he like goes above and beyond for people behind the scenes and things like that. Gotta love it. But Malkin commented on his on his um, Instagram post saying, like, nice assists at Malkin. <laughs> so the people along the way, I love the graphic that uh, the Penguins put up that was like all the people that have assisted. And it's kind of a lot of random people with one assist, but then it's like Malkin and Latang with 100. So that's pretty cool. He's been so ridiculous this year. Uh, obviously, the goal was big. But also, um, I saw a tweet from Jesse Marshall today that said he has created more shots off of his passes than anyone in the league this year, except for Connor McDavid and Nikita Kucherov. So pretty good company. Um, we know okay. that Sid is yeah, getting a little up there in age. He's not producing maybe the same number of goals and stuff, but he's still creating a ton of offense. Uh, what's impressed you most about him this year, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you when we talk about, and this is, I'm going to talk a little bigger picture than just this season, when you talk about hitting 500 goals and everything like that, one of the telling things to me is kind of the unfortunate thing. We shouldn't be talking about 500 goals for Sidney Crosby right now. We should be at the spot where he should be at 600, honestly. Yeah. Like, just you look at the time in his career that has been lost because of the concussions and the times where the half a seasons that were lost for both work for stoppage related things and COVID and everything like that. Like it's, it's great. I'm, I'm, it's one of those like kind of benchmark numbers that it's a wonderful thing to be discussing about Sidney Crosby. But at the same time, when you talk about a career where we should be talking about Sidney Crosby at 600 goals right now, just if based off where his career should have been based off when you look at all the extra circumstances that kind of, limited to hitting this number this late in his career, which is a huge compliment to who he is as a player. And I mean, he's still one of the best players in the world throughout his entire career. You could never really go and you could really never go and make an argument. He wasn't one of the top three players in the world each throughout his entire career. And there's just, there's, there's things about Crosby, like Sarah mentioned some of the off ice stuff where you hear some of these like kind of legendary things about him, but there's other little things that 
I think have just become so normal Sidney Crosby things that we kind of underappreciate. I think one of the things, I can't remember who told it to me, but at one point someone was like, Sidney Crosby's backhand shot is better than 90% of the league's forehand. Like just like little things like that we just have come to take for granted. Um, and it, it's, I think it's these, these, this, this marker 500 is a nice way to stop and realize this is greatness. This is one of the greatest players of all time we're watching. And I think sometimes we kind of forget about that. We get jaded about that and kind of don't realize what he's done throughout his career. And obviously what he's doing this season is just ex- exclamatory on top of all that. Yeah, I think we talk, we, we, there, there are a lot of players that maybe get the individual accolades, but they don't get the team success with Crosby. Um, I definitely, he definitely wouldn't trade what he's had for to have 600 goals right now. Like for me, when I think of Sidney Crosby, I think of just winning. Like that's what that guy has. He's won everything, the, the Olympic gold and he scored the huge goal. Um, obviously three Stanley Cups and, and he's just, he has, he's done it all. Like there, there are some guys where you're late in your career. You're thinking like, oh man, he just needs this to like complete that thing. Crosby has just done everything he can possibly do. Um, like you said, the individual goal accolades are not like his numbers aren't where a player that's as good as he is should be at this point, but he's been through a lot in terms of like the, like you said, the injuries, but then also just the NHL, like during, like he really is in that, like his career has kind of spanned the the craziness of the, the lockout and the COVID seasons and all the, like he, there have been so many things that have cut him short. Yeah. I mean, he come, he, you look at, if you were ever to like pick one player to encapsulate an era, right. like Sidney Crosby is the player that encapsulates the salary cap era. We literally had to have a draft lottery that everyone had a chance in because there was no season his draft right. <laughs> like like he is he is the encapsulation of the salary cap era both good and bad and how it's impacted him like it's it's like if you were to kind of like pick a one player from various eras or whatever to like oh this this guy will use to look at this era like Sidney Crosby would be the 2005 forward player until he's still going so yeah <laughs> Speaking of the salary cap era, um, here in Vegas, there are some uh, interesting salary caps gymnastics going on. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon announced a couple days ago that Jack Eichel would be making his debut in Las Vegas tonight against Colorado Avalanche. I am at, I've never been this pumped for a regular season game, I don't think. Um, it's the top two teams in the West. They played in the playoffs last year, and obviously Jack Eichel just spices it up a little bit more. But along with the announcement that Jack Eichel would be playing tonight... Uh, Kelly McCrimmon also announced that Captain Mark Stone has been placed on the long-term injured reserve with a back injury. Um, As, I guess, the Golden Knights guy, I'll start by laying some foundation here. I think the hockey world immediately, at least according to my Twitter mentions, uh, immediately thought that this back injury is completely made up, and that is not the case. Um, I think it's a little more... This is a little more complicated than people want to, I guess, go into um, on social media. Mark Stone's back is clearly messed up. He's been dealing with this since the playoffs last year. Um, he he didn't look himself in the playoffs last year. I asked him multiple times, are you injured? He obviously said no, because that's what hockey players do. But he was clearly dealing with something. He goes into this season. It was hurt, it was it was hampering him in the offseason. He goes into this year. He only made it one game into the season, and then his back locked up, and he had to miss a month. He has tried to come back, and he's had to go back out of the lineup four different times for this back injury. So... Both can be true. Mark Stone's back can be actually injured and a couple months off could be the best thing that could possibly happen to Mark Stone. Having said that, if Jack Eichel didn't exist, if the salary cap didn't exist, I doubt he'd be missing these two months. He'd probably be continuing to play through it like he has been through this season. So 
uh, we'll start with Sarah. When you saw the news, like everyone did, that Mark Stone is conveniently placed on LTIR the moment Jack Eichel's ready to return, what did you think? Yeah, no, exactly your point there. And that's exactly how I felt about Kucherov, too, even talking to Joe Smith. It was kind of like people don't want nuance in any of their situations when this is a nuanced situation and there are rules that you can get around. And if you can use the rules to your advantage and nobody's stopping you, then why wouldn't you? You would want your team to do this if it was your team. And a guy like Mark Stone and a captain like Mark Stone isn't, is going to be like have to forcefully be put on IR. Like, unfortunately, sometimes that's kind of the follies of being an NHL player. And that's like what people pride NHL players on like playing through injury. So it's really impossible to say unless you're there and you're his doctor, what, the extent of his back injury is. And if they're going to milk it a little bit, I mean, I would do that if I was a GM or an owner. I don't know, Sean, what are your thoughts? You're interesting as the business standpoint here. Oh, I mean, this is, I, I don't have an issue with it because the league has made it, this is completely allowed. Chicago did this first with uh, Patrick Kane, with, with the Patrick Kane injury the year they won the, the cup. And I'm going to not say the year because I forget which of the three cups it is that they won. Kuch, this happened with Kucherov. This, I mean, this is, one of the the CBA is out there, and essentially, it's every single team's job. They have capologists for a reason to essentially go through and find the loopholes. Every single team is trying to do it, and if your team is not using them when they are available to you, that's on you. Like if if the Golden Knights, we talked last week, like oh well, should they trade? Uh, should they, do, do you trade Riley Smith? Do you trade a combination of Matthias Janmark right. and, uh, and and whoever? Like. Well, if you can not do that, do like find find the loophole. Like it's, I have no issue with doing it. It become it it just becomes an issue of it. It becomes a, a question of, and I don't think you can trade change ever change the rules in the middle of the season. Like it's it's something where this doesn't fall from my perspective. Fall on Vegas doing anything wrong. This falls on the league and its teams have essentially signed off on. Yeah, it may seem frustrating, but. If my team was in that spot, I'd want to do it. So I'm not going to go like I'm not. No other GM is going to say is going to vote against this because they're they may be the one that needs to do it next year. And the the other thing that's just we talk about the nuance of this, um, and you talk about the I think nuance and optics are two important things for this. To me, I don't have an issue with it because I think honestly we talk all about players needing their health and focusing on that. So. We're talking about a guy coming back who everyone six months ago was fighting for. We need to support Jack Eichel. We need to support Jack Eichel. Rightfully so. That doesn't mean we can now throw out Mark Stone's health. Like, it, like I, I think it's. A, I think we need to remember that if we're going to go and say everyone's like, oh well, Jack Eichel's health is important. Mark Stone's health is also important. So Mark Stone is take Mark Stone taking the time to get his back right. I'm all for that. Yeah. Optically, optically, I think I have a bit of an issue with. Vegas still having him play in the All-Star game, having him having him out on the Bellagio fountains for things like like for me, it's just kind of more and I know he's not going to get hurt in the All-Star game. I just kind of have more of the optic issue of you can have Mark Stone take the time off and I'm fine with that. It's just the optics of using him in the All-Star, having him go to the All-Star game still, having announcing it literally the day the Eichel, Eichel comes back. Like it's I, to me, it's just kind of being a little bit of. PR and optic of doing it the right way. And then the other thing that I think is a perfect encapsulation of it that's just, and this is something, the only reason Vegas 
And the only reason teams are able to do this, the only reason Vegas is able to do it, and the only reason Tampa was able to do it, Chicago was able to do it, is they're good enough to know they're in the playoffs right now without the guy. Right. If you if you are good, if you've built the team good enough to play, almost I mean what Vegas still has what thirty five games yeah, left, thirty four, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, to play to play almost a, a third of the season longer. By my math is terrible right now. forty percent of the season without your best player. You know what? You did a damn good job as a GM in building your roster. Kudos to you. Like, how many other teams right now, like, everyone's like, oh, well, we could. I, I always laugh right. when people are like, oh, well, let's throw our guy on IR and get him back. Like, all right, well, if your team's in the bubble, you're not, if your team's like on the bubble, you're not getting into playoffs without that guy. Like, so I have no issue with it. It's just, it comes down to the bigger question of should the league allow it? I, I think at the end of the day, this, the question is not, do you do it in the regular season? I think the question becomes, should we have a salary cap in the playoffs? That, to me, is the bigger discussion, the rightful discussion to have. Should there be a salary cap in the playoffs? I know there's pros and cons to each. Um, should there be some sort of modified system of, of cap in the playoffs? That That's, to me, where this conversation should go, not whether teams can use LTIR and to, to get players into lineups and stuff like that, because player health, to me, I, I don't want us to get to the point where we're picking and pulling at different players' health in various ways when Mark Stone's back is bad and we want it to be healthy. It's best for the NHL. It's best for all of us if we get to see a Mark, healthy Mark Stone. That makes hockey better for all of us. Um, so I, I, I think the question becomes, should we have a cap in the playoffs? How do we figure that out going forward? What's the best solution there? Because I think there should be some form of that. In my yeah, opinion. the idea that I've seen tossed around, like I agree that you can't, you can't get rid of LTIR. You can't do that. And I don't think you yeah, can enforce yeah. a hard salary cap in the playoffs also just because of black aces yeah, and players signing yeah. pro contracts and stuff yeah. like that. So the, the idea that I saw through around that I really liked was you can go, you can, you can have a, as, as much of a cap hit on your roster as you want in the playoffs, but your 23 man game day roster has to be under the 81 and a half or whatever that is for that season. Meaning you can have all these guys and like they can be on your roster and you're not going to have to wave them and you can you, like you're not going to have to lose players because of cap space. But when you ice a team, you're going to have to make decisions, pull a guy out of the lineup, put a guy into the lineup based off of you have to stay under that cap. I think that's kind of an easy way to to find a happy medium and and prevent something like this. I, I'm fine with that. Either that or go with uh, I could also throw, be up, up for the idea of putting a luxury tax on the playoffs where you can be like, OK, hey, regular season salary caps uh, is 80 to say it's an 82.5 year or whatever. And like, OK, well, once we go to the playoffs, we realize there's going to be guys who got signed and stuff like that. OK, so we, we are naturally going to raise the salary cap to 85 million just for right. the playoffs. Just I'm, I'm just making a number right now. But any, if you go over 85 at all, there's a luxury tax you have to pay back that goes that gets that that gets either rev shared or goes to hockey related, something like that, where um, I, I could be fine with either of those systems. I, it's just something where um, just something to kind of check it, right? Just to make sure it's getting used the right way and, uh, and kind of gets to the point where we don't have teams who lose to these teams who are like, oh, well, they, they cheated or whatever. When they, they didn't cheat. They're playing by the rules. It's just the rules are kind of broken. Yeah. And and tonight's game I mentioned, I'm so excited for it. Obviously, Jack Eichel is a huge reason. But the Avalanche are playing out of their minds right now. I think they've won 33 of their last or sorry, 30 of their last 34 games, something like that. They are on fire right now. They are leading the NHL with 72 points in 47 games. They're ahead of the Panthers um, and they're playing 
the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year in the Vegas Golden Knights. And that series, uh, when I remember back to it, that was some of the best hockey I've ever seen. This game should be fun tonight. Um, Sarah, what have you seen from the Avalanche this year? I guess what put into perspective how ridiculous this streak that they're on is in, in a sport like hockey where it's so hard to win every night. I have two words, Kale McCarr, and then obviously the rest of the depth. But I have so much fun watching that kid. I feel like he has so much potential and he's in like just starting to realize it and watching him do things every night is is very, very fun. And I think it says a lot that even when McKinnon isn't scoring as much as he has in the past, like other people are picking up slack. That's scary for the rest of the league in the playoffs. Yeah, when I watch their defensemen, man, they just, they turn the play around so quickly. Like Gerard and Taves and Makar, to me, that's what stands out with the Avs is like, you've got the puck in their zone and you feel kind of safe. But then like the moment the puck switches hands, it's, it's a two-on-one the other way. Like the, the defensemen just switch play so quickly. John? Yeah, and it's a team that was allowed to go, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the, what kind of leads to all of this, but you stop and you think about it. It's a team that was allowed to go through the process of going from bad to good, right? Like, often, oftentimes we always talk about, like, there's teams where we want to see, like, the Avalanche is a story that patience can pay off and patience with a coach can pay off, too. Like, um, Jared Bednar was the coach of one of the, the – Jared Bednar, it was either his first or second season. I did someone have to fact check me. The Avalanche had one of the worst records in NHL history. Mm-hmm. He kept his job. I know he was a new coach, but Jared Bednar was allowed to be with this group from that – very rough beginning, and obviously not many guys are still around, but the leadership core has stuck around and still been in there with the McKinnons and the Landeskogs and everything like that. And I think that's another part of it, too, where this is a group that, how many times do we talk about good teams where we're like, oh, they haven't faced their adversity yet. When are they going to face their yeah. adversity? Like, everyone's like, with with, <laughs> with, with, with with Tampa Bay, everyone's like, oh, well, they needed to get swept by the Blue Jackets for them to go all the way to the, to the cup final. Like, Colorado, like Nathan McKinnon has dealt with adversity. He was on some of the worst hockey teams I've ever seen. I, as someone who covered that division closely when I was in Dallas, I remember times where it would be, there would be nights where it was Dallas, Colorado, and it would be Nathan McKinnon like dragging 19 other skaters like a parachute behind him and like a one-on-one duel with Kari Lettinen. Like that's, that's, that's one of my memories of, of Nathan McKinnon. And so I, I think this Colorado team from their leadership group and from their coaching and everything like that, they have gone through kind of the proper uh, demolition and rebuild. And I think that that just kind of goes into all of it. And I, I think that, I think that goes along. I think that goes a long way. And obviously like a guy like McCarr, he's been, he didn't, he wasn't there when they were, when they were terrible, but he, the reason he was there was because they were terrible. And, and he's been a guy who came in right away and has stepped into a group that was, that really allowed him to flourish. It's, it's like an overall long-term success story when I look at Colorado with how things have gone. And if they do win the cup this year or next year or whatever, it's you kind of stop and you have to look back and think, okay, how did that, how did we get from last place in the NHL to here? And why was that successful? And I'm sure many other teams will be like, okay, well, let's look at that. Like, I I think it's a long-term success story when you look at Colorado and it's not just a this season thing. This season, just kind of the fruits of the labor of it. Yeah, I I think that's part of what makes this matchup so fascinating for me. Like all those things you just said, the long-term building, the going through the struggles, drafting well, developing those players, 
None of that happened in Vegas. Like absolutely none of it. There was no struggles. There were no high draft picks. There were no, there's no development has happened. It's all just acquisition. It's like the two most opposite ways to build a hockey team, but yet it's resulted in like the two, two of the best hockey teams in, in, in the NHL. And it's going to be fun. Like I said, it's going to be fun tonight to see what they can do. And it's going to be fun to see what happens, uh, it, it sure feels the Calgary Flames have a lot to say about it, but it sure feels like these teams are on a collision course for another awesome playoff series. Uh, we can only hope um, two teams that seemed like they were on a collision course for each other, but both fell short. The U.S. men's and Canadian men's Olympic teams uh, both go out in hockey last night for the U.S. and early this morning for the Canadian team. They were shut out by Sweden two to nothing. Um, we do have a. U.S. versus Canada women's gold final tonight at 11.20 Eastern time, uh, 8.20 on the Pacific Coast for everyone out here in Vegas or California. Sarah, what, what to you, what is, the, I guess, the story of these, uh, these, these Olympics in hockey? Um, is, are, you, are you pumped for the women's tonight? Are you disappointed we don't get to see Canada, U.S. and the men? What do you think? Well, to be honest with you, I was just waiting for Canada, U.S. women's this whole time. Like That's <laughs> the high-quality hockey that I have been looking forward to. Obviously, the NHL wasn't allowed to go to the Olympics, and they. I, I think it wouldn't have been as big of a problem if it was like they had sooner notice that that wasn't going to happen. But it's like people are trying to prepare, and then they have to kind of put together a team, and it wasn't great. Like I didn't expect. I mean, I didn't really expect the Canada-U.S. men's final, and I'm just happy for my boy Lucas Walmark. He's had five goals in four games for Sweden, and he was on the Canes for a while. Just nicest. Funniest guy you could ask for, and I hope he gets an NHL contract out of this because he deserves it. Sean, they didn't put Maddie Beneers out there in the shootout. I, I, I was blown away that they didn't put him out there. Um, Brendan Brisson was was the first one, and then and he actually put it together a pretty good move. And then the moves in the shootout for the U.S. last night were just baffling um like like they'd never tried one before in my life and you've got maddie beneers sitting there on the bench like what are you doing well it, it, i mean it's yes maddie beneers didn't shoot but still shout out to our friend murat nothing nothing tops uh, gretzky not shooting in 98 still that is still the uh, that is still the high bar for not sending a guy out in a shootout in the olympics uh for me the olympics the men's tournament it, it's 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 been like any world championship for me, right? Like it's played in a place where the time zones don't really align, where I'm not watching it in prime time and it's popcorn viewing for me in the background. Like mm -hmm. I'm watching it and like I'll have it on the TV in my office or I'll have it on the TV while I'm doing the dishes or something like that. And I don't really, I don't really care who wins or loses either way. It's just like how I view the world championships. You see a couple names, you're like, oh, hey, that guy still plays or, or this guy's playing for that country. That's cool. But that's how I viewed the men's tournament. That's how I viewed the men's tournament uh, last time there was NHL players. And it's not a best-on-best best tournament. It's cool when you see things. Like, I'm, I'm sure everyone's seen the uh, Maroslav Shatan clip where of, of how Slovakia, how much that meant to Slovakia uh, to win that game. And you see the clip of the kids celebrating. Like, that's super cool to me. Like, that, that, mm -hmm. that's cool. It's cool to see where it means stuff to people. But to me, from the perspective, of it, it's just like any world championship just held in February. That, that's how the men's tournament has felt to me. Where the women's tournament is completely different. The women's tournament is, this is the best we're going to get of women's hockey. This is, tonight's game is the game where you stop and you plan your time around it. Like, I was talking to my wife about it this morning. Like, to me, the, um, the note of a really good sporting event is the one where you remember where you were when it happened. And so, like, I remember exactly when uh, 
when the United States beat Canada in 2018, I remember being, I had just filed the story in the Honda Center press box in Anaheim and it was about five minutes left in the third period. And I just sat in the Honda Center press box and watched the last five minutes of the third period. I watched overtime. I watched the shootout just in the Honda Center press box. Just like, I, I, that to me is the mark of a great sporting event. You remember where you were when it happened. And that's what I expect USA Canada to be. And that's what this, this nothing about the men's tournament I cared about at all on that front. So I'm thrilled to watch the game tonight, even though it's, it's going to be really late for me as someone who has to get up early in the morning with small children, but I'm going to make it. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game tonight. Jesse, I'm jealous of your 810 start time. So that's, that, yeah. that, 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 that's, that's amazing. Pacific time is amazing for, for this. So. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I remember that game also. I was I was in the the T-Mobile Arena press workroom uh, downstairs. We had just finished the press conference, and it was the Flames that had played the the Golden Knights because we had like a bunch of Canadian media that had come down from Calgary for the game. So we're all sitting there watching it on our phones, and like just the the the, the joint reaction from half the room is t- is Canadian, half the room was American. It was great. Um, Sarah, how how pumped are you for th- for this game tonight? As as Sean mentioned, this is truly best on best. Like this is the highlight of these Olympics for hockey. It literally never disappoints. Like the amount of time. These women have played each other and it has been a show every time and they're all hyped. I'm looking at the quotes and I'm so excited. And I will say on the men's side, there were a few bizarre personnel decisions like Levi, the goaltender, didn't play once. Like there, I feel like there could have been situations where he would play and maybe steal a win. Like you got to try it at least. It was just kind of weird. Yeah, I thought Strauss Man was good though. That's a great name, Strauss Man. What a name! I just, the man. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought he played well. He's, he's a guy, yeah, yeah, it's he's a guy who Strauss Man will probably get an NHL contract out of this. He's a guy who I thought yeah. I was kind of surprised he didn't get an NHL contract out of Michigan out of his junior year, and obvi- and ended up playing in Sweden. And um, obviously, I'm pretty sure he'll finish his SHL season. But he's a guy who, if you're a team who's looking at goaltending depth a 1b guy for next year i would put him i would definitely be interested in that so he's he's a guy who i think may have elevated his that's a good story about it that is one good story out of the men's side there's people who didn't get opportunity before that maybe we'll see back in the nhl game because of it lucas (laughs) yes yeah yeah yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun night of hockey tonight um obviously vegas colorado leading right into that that women's gold Metal game. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. Um, that is, I guess, the the what we're leading into the highlight of this NHL season. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're starting to see the rumors kick up. We're going to talk about quite a few of them when we get back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. 
All right. So it looked like the Flames kind of kicked off the NHL trade deadline quite a bit early when they made a trade for Tyler Toffoli, um, adding a really good player to an already good team. I just got a uh, good viewing of them. They spanked the Golden Knights 6-0 the other night, and that was before adding Tyler Toffoli. There is a bunch of... Um, it's, it, it seems like that kind of kickstarted things. It feels like all the GMs were sort of kind of sitting and waiting and, and, and we were all kind of just in wait mode. Then that Toffoli deal happens. And suddenly in the last couple of days, we've seen a million, um, deals that could be possibly talked about. Sarah, when, when you see, I guess a, a guy like Tyler, to me, to me, Calgary is a, a team built of like B plus players. Like they don't have any superstar, like elite players, but they've just got so many guys that are just good, really good players. And they, and they have so much depth. Um, what do you look at when you see the flames? And then I guess, what do you think they're adding in Tyler Toffoli? I love Toffoli. I think that's a perfect acquisition for them, especially his deal is insane. And then you saw that goal he scored. It was like the worst skating, but he made it work. I just love that. I think him and Goudreau will be a really good kind of one, two punch for them. That will elevate like that. They needed a goal scorer. And I feel mm-hmm. like that really rounds them out. And that was a great deal. And sometimes as a GM, not that I'm a GM, but you have to be the one to make the first punch. Like I do feel in the NHL, it's more of a waiting game than in any other league. And it's kind of like make a move. Sean, what do you what do you think? Do you think we're overlooking Calgary? Because I feel like we talk about Colorado and Vegas so much in the West. I think that Calgary team is definitely... Vegas in Colorado, we talk about because we've seen we've they've got more of the higher profile. They've got um, they've got some of the bigger names. They've been a little bit more active in recent things. Obviously, the Toffoli deal withstanding, but Calgary's a team you could easily come out of the West. Yeah, I could definitely I could definitely see Calgary coming out of the West. I could see them in, in the final and everything like that. So I, I think we're we're just they're just not as glitzy to use kind of. So they're not as glitzy as Vegas or Colorado. Like we, I think the other reason we all kind of want Vegas or Colorado in the final is because we all like, like, I want Colorado or Vegas versus Florida in the final simply because the NHL is a copycat league. And I want to see that every night. Like, I want to see high scoring yeah. games every night. If Calgary's in the final, they're a little bit more defensive. They're a little bit more batter down the hatches and all of a sudden other GMs look like, oh, this is how you win. So we do this. I want other GMs to see Colorado Vegas, Colorado Vegas versus Florida in the finals. So everyone's like, let's run and gun. Because I, I like watching high school. I, I like watching chances. I like watching teams go back and forth. But from a pure, can they win perspective? Yes. Calgary is a, has just as good of a chance as Vegas or Colorado of getting to the final, especially in, we're talking about a short seven game, seven game series is hundred percent short. And it's all we can't forget too. Calgary has more points than Vegas right now, anyway. So right. yes, Cal- Calgary's Calgary's definitely in, and I, I think kudos to them for. I, I, I think one of the things that we need to look at with this deadline that makes it unique that I don't think we talk about enough is moving first. I don't think I, I think that's going to end up being more valuable than people realize, in my view, because. And I'm, I'm going to go to two of the biggest names, and I know quite a bit about this situation just because of the team I used to cover. But like, you look at tr- all the trade boards and everything like that, and everyone's like, "Oh, John Klingberg and Joe Pavelski are available." I don't think John Klingberg and Joe Pavelski are available. Just just to give you for example, John the Dallas Stars are three points out of a playoff spot. They have three games in hand. the The coach is an inter is a coach in the last year of his deal. The GM has gone through four coaches. He doesn't get to hire another coach. Jim Nill doesn't get to trade away Joe Pavelski and John Klingberg and keep his job. Like, I think that is one of the things that everyone is 
Like I see all of these like fun clickbaity headlines where people are like, oh, Joe Pavelski will be great in Colorado. Joe Pavelski would be great here or John Klingberg here, John Klingberg there. Jim Neal the doesn't... The transatlantic accent is bad. <laughs> 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 Jim Neal doesn't get to trade those guys and keep his job. It, it's, I, I, so, like, I, I think even, it was even Elliot Friedman had in his 32 Thoughts the other day of, like, uh, like he mentioned, like, oh, well, Toffoli may even be more valuable since Joe Pavelski might not be available. Joe Pavelski's probably not available anyway. So, moving fast, like Calgary did... The trade board is going to start to get the top names, whether it's through deals or guys who actually aren't available because there's teams that are close and there's teams that are there's teams and that are owners right now in this league who they're dying to get into the first round. I know from a hockey perspective, people are like, what's the point of getting into the first round? We're not going to you're going to be just be a middling team. But the, the gate revenue from the first round is massive. Most NHL teams don't make money until after the first round of the playoffs. And so there's a ton of owners in this league who are, they're not looking at it just from we want to win the Stanley Cup point of, well, we get into the playoffs, we can start to cut back into some of those losses we've had in the last two years. So I think the trade board, while it's it's a really fun exercise, I don't think it's as deep as, as we're publicly making it. I think there's going to be a lot of kind of contingency and supporting pieces more so that get moved when some of those big names. And so Calgary went and got one of the biggest fish. And if you can get one of the biggest fish, do it now. You don't have to wait. That's so true. And people like who cover this league kind of do need to do more research about small market teams because you're just absolutely yes. right about that first round. And the names I see people throw around for the Canes are ridiculous. It's like Brett Pesci, Martin Natchez. I'm, I'm like, I'll report that they aren't going anywhere. And people are like, well, maybe they will. <laughs> like no, the, the Canes aren't trading them. So it's just yeah. kind of interesting. It definitely is. And I like like Sean. You mentioned a lot of those big names. It's just guys who like we we kind of just oh pending UFA. Well, he's up. Like he he's on the board. <laughs> yeah, whereas literally. like and and meanwhile the GM is just sitting there like looking at like what are you talking about? No way I'm trading that guy. Um, one guy that one of the big names that we do think is actually going to get moved though is Claude Giroux, and and he is a hell of a hockey player. Um, watching him at All Star Week, uh, Sean, you got to see him too. You were here in Vegas. He was just so relaxed. He just seemed like a guy who was like happy to be away from the situation he's been in he was happy to have those days and it seems like he's going to be heading somewhere and calgary so so vegas adds jack eichel and obviously that happens tonight the flames their biggest competition the pacific they go out and get tyler Toffoli. we're hearing colorado st louis minnesota man it seems like an arms race in the west and i'm all for it um sarah where do you think claude Giroux? or i guess where do you think he fits what do you think like what just what are your thoughts on the claude Giroux situation and and do you think he's worth spending a lot of, of draft picks and capital to get. What a, All I have to say is what a mess with the Flyers. I thought they were going to maybe yeah. win the Cup this year, and it's just an L. So did they. I know. But I like Giroux <laughs> getting to go and maybe live out that dream of winning the Cup. I, I, I love that for him. And maybe the Wild. I don't know. I, I like the Wild now, and I think they need kind of one more piece to be legit contenders. But I say that about everyone. So I don't know what you think, Sean. Uh, I, I think Colorado. I mean, Colorado makes a ton of sense. We'll yes. see if we'll see if the Giroux is going to be a guy who there's going to definitely be the Philly knows they have the top piece, right? And so right. if you're a smart GM, you're going to hold that. Like the Giroux trade may take a while, not because of teams wanting to get Giroux, because of Philly kind of trying to slow play to get to maximize return on it. Um, I, I think Colorado. If I had to like 
place a, like a, a better favorite. I, I think Colorado is kind of where where he ends up. I think that is I can see Joe Sackick trying to make that move to try and look at okay, this is we have one of the best teams, but we know we're going to run into Vegas. We know once we get to if we final, we're going to run into Florida or Carolina or Tampa or one of those teams. And and I uh, so I, I think I think Colorado is where I would bet happens. But I also I St. Louis. I, I don't really see it in St. Louis. Just a random feel thing. Um, same thing with Minnesota. Like it just it just feels like to me like Colorado's the team, especially since and I would say Vegas if they hadn't just already gone and made all those moves and everything like that. Like if hey, it was if hey, it, Vegas will make three more trades yes. to clear the space to bring in Claude yes. Giroux. Do not underestimate no, that. Vegas is absolutely in. Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and and like Claude um, Claude Giroux, he won the uh, he won the All Star game, so he got a Honda, right? Uh, he got a Honda yeah. from the All Star game. I wonder if he just got it shipped to Colorado already, because he just would made life a lot easier. So yeah, easy, a lot shorter trip too. It's I I yeah I agree with you. Colorado seems like the most likely spot just because of where they're at. Uh, Minnesota, I agree with Sarah that it, it would be fun. Oh, like yeah. I, like be fun. for I like, me, yeah. I'm hoping he goes to St. Louis or Minnesota just because like it it it, it adds to the Western playoffs exactly. because I feel like the East, the East is more wide open. Like we're sitting here saying like Tampa is obviously they have to be the favorite. They yep. they haven't lost a playoff series in forever. But Carolina, it looks as impressive as any team in the league. Florida obviously looks good. I feel like the, the East is more wide open. The West, Calgary jumping into that mix makes it more fun. And if we got a fourth team, if St. Louis or Minnesota adds a Claude Giroux and gets on a run, I think we've got a really good final four in the West that would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think the, one of the other things that that obviously as a goalie guy, Sean's there with me, <laughs> catches my attention going into this deadline is it seems like there are some contenders out there still trying to figure out what they're going to do in goal. And, and, and like that, to me, that like there's nothing bigger that's going to impact the the playoffs and, and where they go than a team like, like Washington is in search of a goalie. Um, Boston, I, I haven't seen their name out there in terms of actually looking for guys, but now that the Tukarask comeback did not work. Um, I think that that's a team that you can't really count on the goalies that they've got. Vegas Golden Knights, Robin Leonard is out with an upper body injury right now. We don't know for sure. We're still trying to figure out how serious that is, but I have heard some some people that think that it could be very serious and Vegas could be in. So um, you don't see many big goalie trades midseason. It just doesn't happen very often. The Golden Knights obviously did it acquiring Leonard a couple years ago, but Washington is really searching for one. Um, what do you guys think in terms of like, is, is there a, is there a goalie out there that you think can really help one of these teams that, that obviously the team has to be willing to trade them? Well, you're, you're burying the lead here, Jesse, on the flurry. Like, I mean, I think we have to talk about like whether, well, I, I, no, 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 it's my, not my, happening. My, my, no, that's my point. That's my point. My <laughs> point is you're burying the lead on that right now. Like you can just go and make the statement right now. Like, Vegas is not trading for Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, I feel like we need to establish that point right now. Like, because that is a, <laughs> that is something that's, Kelly McCrimmon came out and blatantly said isn't happening. I, I think that is something that we just should establish right now before we get into any of these exercises yeah. on goalie trades. But Fleury's a guy who is absolutely, like, if, if, I honestly can't figure out why he's still a Chicago Blackhawk. I can't yeah. figure it out. Do they still, are they that delusional in Chicago that they think they're going to make the playoffs or... Are they holding out for more? Like, are they not? Maybe they're not getting the offers they want on him. Maybe they want more. I, I don't. If I'm Chicago, I'm retaining his salary because it's just this year. It's it's one year left on his deal. This is the last year. I'm retaining it. I'm getting what I can for him and sending him to a contender because that's clearly the move that should be made. Hundred percent. I think it's probably just all the the shuffling of 
who's GM, who's like whatever, and all the drama. Right. I feel like maybe that may halted the process. They, they have some other things on their plate. Yeah, they, do, <laughs> they, 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 they certainly do. Um, I, I think Sarah can. Sarah covers a team that can kind of speak to the perspective of. There's a lot of teams out there who are, whether it's a guy with either limited experience or a younger guy or guys who like maybe be playing well, but because of the ethos of the playoffs, GMs or coaches want a veteran guy. And Sarah covers a team where literally the reason they went out and got Freddie Anderson was they wanted, they wanted, they wanted that solidarity for the playoffs. And I think we're going to see those types of moves with goalies. I think that's how the flurry trade will be. That'll be interesting to see how that comes together. Um, I mean, it's the Boston trade. I don't know if Boston has the space to go get a marquee number one, but maybe Boston is in the market for a guy who is a historical one A one B one B type guy who can at least push Verlamov those. Verlamov, who is coming back? <laughs> I know we talked. We discussed that last week. <laughs> like it's, I, I I think there's, I, I could definitely see teams looking for that. It's just gonna be interesting to see where the chips fall. And I think Flurry may even be. Maybe one of the reasons he hasn't left Chicago left Chicago yet is because that's going to be the first domino to fall, and the Blackhawks are aware of that, and they're trying to milk that for everything it's worth. Maybe that's the reason. That's just a speculatory thing. So it's also just adding a goalie midseason is so different from like adding a player that just gets thrown on a line and like he's only on the ice for a third of the game, and like I don't know, a goalie. The position is so mental, like it's so read and react and we all look at the the athleticism that they that they show and obviously that but they're all athletic it's like the goalies that are good in this league are the ones that read where the puck is going and when when you get thrown onto a new team and i think that's part of it too is a coach is sitting there saying no we've got this guy who who maybe from the outside we're sitting here saying that team needs a goalie and the coach is like no like this is our guy he's in our system he's been in it like we're comfortable with him who knows how this new goalie that we add? I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like it's it's more of a risk to add a goalie than it is to add a left winger um, in the middle of the season and just hope that that guy um, falls into line and 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 can carry you in the playoffs. It can really like mess with the dynamic of everything, and especially I know the Canes have had like three goaltender rotations at some point, and while that's nice to have options, you can only have two at practice, so it's kind of some guys don't get reps, and what if? X, Y, and Z happens. Like you want it to be as simple as possible. The other thing too, and I don't know if there's any evidence of this at all. Like you stop and think, obviously there's always stories of like, oh, you tra- the team traded for this guy and that guy won a cup and everything like that. I'm struggling right now to think of a goalie trade in season that has ended with, a t- with that goalie lifting the Stanley Cup. Like in season. I'm struggling right now to think of that. Like I, I think of the in-season goalie trades. I think of the Ryan Miller thing where it didn't really work out that well in St. Louis. And I think of other in, like in-season goalie trades to me, I can't think of anything. And obviously there's circumstances around it, but I can't think of one in my head right now. And someone can correct me if I'm wrong, where a guy has been traded in season and then been the starting goalie when that team won a Stanley Cup. Like it's, it's, there's no history for it. And I'm not just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's, it's certainly, uh, there's no evidence to say that it works for, for lack right. of a better word. I think that's partially that it's hard to do, yes. like I yes. mentioned, like fitting into the system. But I also think it's partially teams are afraid to do it. 
Um, yeah. and, and I think if more teams were, were more willing to try to get that goal, like t- how many times is, does the team say we're almost at we're almost there. Like yeah. we, like we've got the contender. We need that last piece and it's never a goalie. It's always, and then that same team will go into the playoffs and lose because their goaltending wasn't good enough. Like, like and I don't know. I feel like t- GMs are, are hesitant because goalies are so difficult to predict. They are, they're much more likely to make the trade for the goal scorer or the, the guy that you know what you're getting. And it's a position, too, where I think it also goes back to that element of, like, Flurry will be available because Chicago is not making the playoffs. But there's that, that, that grouping of teams we talked about before, just in general, who they're not going to trade a goalie when they still think they have a chance. Like, like there's, I think there's still that group of teams we can't ignore where it's, they're not going to trade the goalie because they still think they have a chance to get, to, to, to get in, even if, even if yeah. that means just getting in to get that first round gate. Like, there's still that grouping that we can't ignore. So it's, it's the flurry thing will be fascinating to me because it's, it's, he's a guy who clearly with how he trade traded Chicago, we all know he doesn't have really that no trade, no move protection. So there's no really, there's not really any hurdles. I know Chicago 10 team, no trade, but oh, he does have a 10. I th- I'm pretty sure he has a 10 okay, team, 10 but like, team, as yeah, we've yeah, seen, yeah, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't protect you much. Yeah. Well, it's 10 team, no trade. It can be, it's, it depends on how you're going to, yeah, you can f- have some fun structuring it that way, but either way, like the flurry deal is going to be fascinating to me because how he gets moved, where he ends up. Um, it's once again, it's 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 kind of Mark Andre Flurry is such a weird guy, right? Like we not weird, not himself, but his career. <laughs> he is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but we went from a guy like for me, Mark, we went from Mark Andre Flurry, where all I could ever picture Mark Andre Flurry at was as a Pittsburgh Penguin, right? Like he's a guy where you thought about. And now all of a sudden I can picture him in like 16 different places. Like he's gone from that aura of like yeah. one guy, one team, all the only plates you could ever see him to. Now I'm like, yeah, I can see him playing for Washington. Like, <laughs> like it's for sure. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be a really fun deadline. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the, the next month, five weeks, whatever it is until the uh, March 21st deadline. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome guys. Well, we're going to head to break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss what we're working on and take your questions from Twitter. All right. So we we asked for your opinions on we obviously we've been talking about the Eichel debut. That's kind of the headline news today. Um, Sarah, what did, what did what did people have to say about Eichel's debut on Twitter? Yeah, I asked people on Twitter.com to tell me their feelings about Jack Eichel's Vegas debut in one word. I want to start with you, Jesse, first. I want to put you on the spot because you've been around and you've been waiting for this. One word. Yes. Finally. Fin- <laughs> Finally. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> I've been like, I, I was on the radio this morning. It's like, I feel like I've written 15 articles about what Jack Eichel could possibly bring to the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see what he actually brings to the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm excited for it. Yeah. And the same vein, someone responded free. Someone responded, Jen T responded anxious. Um, finally, someone else said finally ah. and excited, circumvented. Curious. Circumvent. <laughs> that's an interesting one. Um, Hattie Watch. That's two words, but I'll give it to them. Wow. Imagine. Imagine. Don't want to put too much pressure on the guy, though. He hasn't. I'm like, he hasn't played in a while. That's kind of my, I would say anxious because he hasn't played in a while, right? Like, I don't want the pressure yeah. to get to him, but I feel like he's not a guy that would let the pressure get to him, right? Right. And, and not only has he not played in a while, he's coming off a surgery that like he's confident in and, and like the recovery process has been great, but it's still the first time a hockey player has undergone this. Yeah. We got a 
Buffalo fan saying bittersweet, which is nice. I'm glad they can at least feel kind of good for him. Someone said, meh. You know what? Don't be a hater. This is an exciting moment. <laughs> Sean, what's your one word? Ooh, my one word. Go Buffalo-esque. <laughs> that's a word that's the right word right because it, ju it just feels like it's such a buffalo thing where like buffalo had him at had him as his captain and, and it just feels like such a buffalo sports thing where it's it's going to be someone's going to have to go somewhere to have success elsewhere or someone is going to or you got so close to see him at his peak and then the injury happened and everything fell apart it's like I'm just going to call it buffalo-esque because it's going to be I, I think it's going to be great for Vegas I think his performance tonight is going to be, I think his performance tonight is going to be slightly underwhelming. Just like, frankly, it's like he's playing his first game since March, right. March of 2021. And it's, he's also a perfect example too, where I don't understand. I get why, because players have egos, but I also don't understand why we don't ever, why we never use the conditioning stint in hockey like we do in other sports. Like it's available. And I'm not saying even Jack Eichel has to go play. Like, I mean, actually, Vegas, they're, 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 it's literally two miles to the Orleans Arena where Henderson's playing right now or wherever yeah. it is. Like I, don't like, I don't understand why we don't use it more in the NHL for even if it's for, even if you put him on a, on a minute count just to see how a guy responds. Like what's stopping, why couldn't Vegas have him go to Henderson for a one-game conditioning stint, play eight to ten minutes just to get some full strides, take a couple hits. So the first time he takes a hit is not Nazem Kadri tonight. Like, just like, what, like, like, why is, I, I always, I always think about that from a hockey perspective when we get a guy coming back. We do it with goalies. Goalies, we tend to send down because yeah. of the, but I just, I always wonder with players why we don't do that more. But, um, I think tonight will be kind of underwhelming from what people are expecting. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll sparkle the way, if he does, great. That'll be a tremendous story. Go read it at The Athletic tomorrow morning. You can get it for 99 cents a month, right? Am I doing the promo right? Um, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Other, otherwise, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of, it's going to be bittersweet for Buffalo and it's just going to be kind of frustrating for them to watch on national TV tonight. And then on top of that, I know ESPN has already flexed the return to Buffalo game into an ESPN national game. So it's going to be, it's the first flexing ESPN has done with the new TV deal is Eichel's return to Buffalo. So it's, it's just going to be bittersweet for people in Buffalo and for people in Vegas, it'll be fun. They always have fun in Vegas. Yeah, I think obviously I'm biased as the guy who covers the Vegas Golden Knights every day. I'm excited that Eichel's in Vegas, but I think as a just a general hockey sense, seeing Eichel on a team that's going to be in the playoffs is like we yeah. like we haven't we've yeah. been robbed of watching this superstar player not play in important games. Like how many important like think is there a moment in your mind that Jack Eichel played an important few minutes of hockey? Like hey, it's, it's sad. University. Yeah, that's what I was going to. That's been a it's been a long uh, time. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I was gonna say, Jesse, you're not a beanpot watcher. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but like and and like how awesome was that? Like the fact exactly. that we're gonna see Jack I like starting tonight. Like this is an important game. Avs wow. Golden Knights. This is an important game. Um, obviously it's his debut, so like we're not expecting him to carry the Golden Knights tonight. But like just the fact that we've got one of the most electric players in hockey, one of the most exciting players in hockey, and he's gonna be playing important games down the stretch. To me, that's that's fun for me. Yeah. Well said. 
Awesome. Sean, you uh, you kind of led us into it, what we're working oh. on. I'll start. Um, tonight, you can expect a shift-by-shift shift breakdown. <laughs> I love doing these. I've done them like when they traded for Alec Martinez. I did it. Uh, Peyton Krebs made his debut. The, the, the readers seem to like him. I am going to watch Jack Eichel and only Jack Eichel for 60 minutes tonight. I'm going to have a full shift-by-shift shift breakdown. Everything he does on the ice tonight in Vegas against the Avalanche. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sarah, what are you working on? Um, might see some exclusives ahead of the trade deadline, so can't say much, but but look out for that. What about you, Sean? Nice. Uh, right now, the thing that I've been doing this week has kind of been, in addition to my regular job, I've been helping out our friend Max Boltman, who is flitting around Sweden right now with a tough gig, if you good gig if you can get it. And uh, so I've been helping Max a little bit on the Red Wings beat, um, did a couple stories there this week. And it's, uh, I will say, Max has kind of that sweet spot right now of where a beat can be. Like, no one cares if the Red Wings lose. No one cares if they win. All they care about is fun, good stories because the team isn't supposed to be good for two years. Like it's, it's a beautiful sweet spot for a beat. And so that's been kind of fun. Like they lost six to three or whatever the other night. I got to write two nice, fun human interest stories this week without 15,000 comments at the bottom of like, where's the breakdown of Matthew Boley's hat trick against us? And so I, uh, I'm, that's, that's what I can tell you guys about that I am working on right now. Other things are kind of, kind of stay under the hat for now. So. Uh, I will say, Jesse, with your shift by shift, or do you bring binoculars? Like, I'm curious, are you one of the guys, like, are we, are we talking, like, binoculars up top, like, kind of scoping them out the entire time, or trying to picture this in my head now? Yeah, so I do have binoculars. I'm, okay. I think I might be the only guy on Bra- Vegas press row with binoculars, because every time there's a player missing from the bench, which this season for the Golden Knights has yeah. been pretty much every game, um, I'm always, everyone kind of looks to me like, all right, Jesse, break the binoculars out, and I like lean back, grab them, and I'm starting, I'm like staring at the bench, trying to see which number I can't find on the bench, but uh, I don't know, I don't think I'll need the binoculars like for in-game play, like maybe just to see what he's doing on the bench, like to watch the interactions, but uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be following him like a hawk. I will say Jesse is, and I don't, I'm going to, I told Jesse this at the All-Star game, like, when you think of, like, male sports writers in hockey, everyone, and myself included, even when they're dressed nice, they wear, like, a backpack, and it makes us look like 18-year-olds and everything like that. <laughs> Jesse's the only sports writer, hockey writer, I know, that still carries, like, carries the traditional-looking briefcase, he's got the suit, like... He looks like a professional compared to the rest of us, just based off his bag selection. So the fact you have binoculars doesn't surprise me at all. You you dress, you carry the right bag for the job, Jesse. And now I, uh, as I said, when we walked out of the All Star game the other day, I've got a backpack on. I look like I'm an 18 year old trying to like look important in a suit. When you're like, you look like you're, you know what you're doing. I I try my best to look like I know what I'm doing. That's that's step one. <laughs> I appreciate it, Sean. Awesome. Well, good stuff, guys. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on for two weeks, Sean, uh, while while Rob's doing the stuff in the Olympics. If you guys want to check out more stuff for The Athletic, we've got stuff all over. Obviously, we have The Athletic Hockey Show, but we've also got Arthur Staples' new Rangers podcast, The Garden Faithful. Wherever you find your podcast, you can listen to his Rangers stuff. And Andrew Burnett, the head coach of the Florida Panthers, is Michael Russo's guest on Straight From the Source this week. Follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms, and don't forget to leave a rating and a review. That really helps. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get your bonus content for our entire network. Custance and Gentilly provide bonus content this week. You can start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday with Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown. For Sarah and Sean, I'm Jesse. We'll return with Rob Pizzo next week for another edition of the Athletic Hockey Show Roundtable.